What am I here for in this world? Why do I work for this organization? What can this organization do to help me fulfill my meaning in the world? How can I help this organization help me fulfill my meaning in the world? Those are questions Robert S. Hartman, the founder of the Science of Axiology, shared with human resource executives in the 1960s and 70s. He shared that every employee needs to know those four things. Today, we might say they have a whiff them. What's in it for me? And I believe that we all have that on our forehead, especially when we're being asked to be a part of a team retreat or a team building session or a training session. Today, what I'm going to do is share with you tools, 10 plus one resources to help you facilitate team building sessions using our talent insight science. It's going to help you help individuals answer those questions and help teams work together effectively. Can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. Hit it, Michael. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi there, my name is Susie Price of Priceless Professional Development, and you are listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, where we focus on topics and resources that help leaders increase energy, commitment, and joy of each employee. We also want to help you decrease frustration, drama, and unwanted turnover. And all of that, we want to help you do that on your team and all throughout your organization. So our focus at Priceless Professional Development and at the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast is to use assessment science in the hiring process to make sure you're getting the right fit. So we cover a lot of those topics here on this podcast. We also show you how to take that assessment science and use it to build connection and commitment throughout the life cycle of an employee with onboarding, coaching, team building, training, and conflict resolution, which is the tools that you're going to get today are going to be tools that can help you use the talent insight, the DISC and motivators assessments to help an employee answer those questions and help in onboarding and coaching and team building. So that's one of the key things we do. We also train and certify internal and external consultants on these tools. We have just updated our self-paced virtual training programs and certification programs. So we have many people going through our certified professional development analyst program, our certified professional motivators analyst program, and our trimetrics expert analyst program. Those are our main focus areas. And then in addition to that, we are leading the thought and ideas and tools around information that will help people be more committed and wake up eager. And we do that through our books, our website, our newsletter, our podcast. And so this podcast is the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast. And you can find us at our directory, find all the episodes. Our directory is wakeupeagerworkforce.com. Every one of our episodes has show notes that are very detailed and give you time spots. So you can go to the parts that you are most want to look at in and, and read and hear and listen. And we also have transcripts. So this is episode number 56, and the title of today's is about Talent Insights Team Building Session Success. 
10 plus one for practical facilitation and debriefing tips. Show notes for today are going to be found at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash talent insights. So I am recording this today. I am in Atlanta. I have my stand-up desk up and I'm standing on my little surfboard. I stand on this little surfboard and I'm feeling very energized and excited about the material that I'm going to share today. This is a very content-rich episode. And what I want you to do is jump around and go to the parts that matter most to you. And I want to show you how to use the assessment uh, effectively in a group setting, especially the talent insights assessment. We're doing a bit of a series on the assessments and helping you drill down and kind of sharing perspective. I'll be interviewing some different people. The last episode that I just did was about the DISC assessment and making sure it doesn't get weaponized. And so I have a, a bias and a belief that it does get weaponized sometimes because it's so easy to understand. And I always want to balance that out to make sure that people remember what it is and is not measuring. And that episode is episode 55, and it's at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash weapon. So if you miss that, go listen to that. It happens all the time. And in fact, I had somebody listening to the episode and then call and ask me some questions about someone's DISC assessment and making some assumptions about the person um, that were inaccurate after they'd already listened to the podcast. So it's just such a strong tendency to say because DISC is so easy to understand to overapply it. So go check out that episode. Now I'm going to share with you 10 plus one tips for using DISC and motivators with the team. And I'll explain a little bit more what the DISC and motivators are in a moment. But the 10 tips are going to be around starting strong. So what do you need to communicate before a session with the team or with a group? Three different tools that you can use for helping people reduce resistance. I'm going to show you some of my favorite icebreakers and ways to open a session. I'm going to talk a little bit about how to debrief the actual motivators assessment, which is what puts gas in your tank. And then how do you talk about the wheel when you have a group of people in the room? And the wheel is this image that summarizes how everybody scored. So how do you do that in a way that's non-threatening, that is helpful, that facilitates conversation? And there really is an art to that. Then we'll do the same thing with the disc. I'm going to share some favorite exercises for breakout sessions and sharing. What are some exercises or ways to close a session? And what are some follow-up strategies? So as I said, content rich. My goal is that if you are working with us and you have some of our sample workshops, that this will, will marry that and help you feel comfortable with some of the PowerPoint and handouts. And if you're not working with us and you'd like to know more, that you will reach out to me at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E, and we can talk about what you're trying to accomplish and if the talent insights assessment or the trimetrics assessment would be a match, we could even have you take a complimentary assessment. If you're not working with us, but you do use assessments and you are a facilitator or a and a leader who wants to do a better job of facilitating discussion, you'll get all kinds of tips in this session. So I think there's something here for everyone. There will be content rich show notes. Some of the details, you just have to see them in order to use them. 
So let's get started. Also want to mention uh, the, I mentioned the certifications that are available, but I'm not sure if I gave you the link to get information on that. If you are interested in the certifications, go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash get certified. And you can get some information about that as we talk through all this and you say, hey, I want to know more. We can help you with that. Okay. So when we think about working with a group and we think about giving assessments, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. The first thing we want to keep in mind is we want to reduce resistance. So the tension or the natural resistance people might feel around being assessed and then having to share it with the team, we've got to do things as facilitators or leaders to make sure they want to participate. You can put their behinds in a seat, but that doesn't mean they're going to want to be there. And if they don't want to be there, it's not going to be a fulfilling and helpful session, which is what we don't want. So reducing resistance is something to keep in mind. And a lot of the things that I have learned over the 16 years of facilitating and using assessments with groups and having made all the mistakes, I get to share how to not make those mistakes with you. And hopefully you will have as good a sessions as I now have today with your team where it makes an impact. So that's the first thing. The second thing to keep in mind are, is something, and I'll refer back to a bunch, which is when you think about conflict, think for a minute about when you've had conflict with someone. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's um, someone on your team, or maybe you've watched people who have conflict. What are the main reasons for the conflict? If you had to pull out and get out of all the nitty gritty details, what's happening? Well, I would propose to you that there are three main reasons for conflict. One is miscommunication. So we have misunderstood each other by the way we communicate or we communicate differently. And so we're not hearing each other or we're frustrated with each other because we're not the same in our communication style and our natural behaviors. The second reason we might have conflict is we have different values or interests. So I am more interested in this. So I think it's more important. And maybe you are not interested in that. You're interested in something else that you think is more important. And when we disagree, we have tension. And the third reason for conflict is past history. So we've had problems in one of these two areas, or we've been on projects together, or we've been neighbors, and something happened, we never resolved it, and now we have past history. So the three reasons, communication, misunderstanding, number two, different interests or priorities, and number three, past history that's unresolved. The assessments can help us clean up some of the misunderstandings around communication so we can understand different strengths and how they can have tension. And then some of the misunderstandings around interests that are different on a team. We all bring who we are to a team and to our work environment. So it makes a lot of sense to help people understand who they are individually, what are their strengths, And what could be their blind spots? Self-awareness. The more self-aware I am, the more I can manage myself. I can consciously use my strengths. I can consciously manage my strengths, which are things I can overuse. And then I can start to enjoy people who have different strengths. 
So that is what we're trying to do with these assessments. That's how you create more commitment and engagement because we naturally want to use our strengths and we want to feel good about our value and how we add value on a team. And a lot of times people don't know what their strengths are, so they don't use them consciously. So they overuse them. Their manager doesn't know what their strengths are. So they only, the manager tries to lead them into being like, how the manager is, as opposed to appreciating what the individual differences are. There's all kinds of dynamics that go on that through the science of the the assessments can help clean up a lot of that. And I'll share a simple example of something I call strength projection. And it's something that one of my top interests, it's my top motivator, the thing that puts gas in my tank is gaining knowledge. So I like to learn. I'm always studying something new. I'm always reading. And I like that. And before I understood that not everybody likes it as strong as I do. So my interest is really, really strong, according to the assessment, which isn't good or bad. It's just it's nature nurture. It's how I came into the world and it's, you know, what how my environment shaped me. And so I used to think that if you weren't a big learner and you weren't doing things the way I do them, that you weren't doing them the right way. And I could have some judgment around someone who was less interested in approaching life like I do and like, you know, my greatest interests or motivators. And what that is called is called strength projection. So I take what I like and try to put it on you. It happens all the time when we're working with people, when we ask people advice. Oftentimes we give advice based on our own background, our own interests, and sometimes they don't apply to others because others have their own interests. And so there's an author who writes about projection and he says, it's when we have a chocolate covered arrogance that assumes that everyone is just like us, that whatever we're interested in, everybody else should do as well. And so that is a danger that we get in on teams And if we don't learn to appreciate the differences where this is true diversity and that we we don't learn to appreciate those differences, we have a hard time working together effectively. It's hard for you as a leader or facilitator to support someone whose strengths are different from your own and you're not going to support them and help them if you're constantly trying to make them be like you when on the assessment. What if they're exactly opposite of you and you're coaching them? The tools help you and help team members learn to respect the differences. So it's just so powerful. And as we respect differences through these engagements where people are learning about themselves and then as a group learning about each other, we can improve those communication misunderstandings and we can begin to appreciate the difference in priorities and we can move from judgment to understanding. And then maybe as we continue to use these assessments in a work environment, we can move from understanding to appreciation. So not only get it that we communicate differently now, it's like, oh, I'm really valuing what you do differently. I'm starting to respect it, appreciate it. Um, And that is when teams start to really play on all cylinders in regard to They speak up in the room, they share, there's trust because they know they're being valued and they know that their strengths matter. 
Um, so this is, you could tell why I'm passionate about it and why I even want to spend this time together now sharing these 10 plus one practical facilitation and debriefing tips, because I do believe that these tools can give us so much value in our work and in our life. All right. So I'm going to do a quick overview of the science. Uh, you can call me if you'd like to go into this more, but what is being measured in the Talent Insights Assessment? The show notes, again, are at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash talent insights. I will have links to more information, but I'm quickly going to go through the five areas of fit and performance, the car analogy, because I want you to be clear as a leader who might be looking at these assessments or a facilitator and or if you're both leading a group, I want you to understand what's being measured and what is not. And the car analogy helps you do that. And the more you make sure that people understand what they're reading in the assessment is not not all of them, and you're not trying to put them in a box. People resent that. They don't want it. That builds resistance. And so the car analogy is a tool to help everybody and yourself remember what's being measured in the assessment and what is not. So car analogy is five areas of performance that we can look at to better understand. And it's nice to break it down because we have one area of background and experience that's roads traveled destinations they've been to and destinations they want to go to. That is not being measured in the assessment. Another thing that's not being measured in the car analogy, if you say uh, where they're parked, so where is their car parked? That's the culture of the organization, the systems of the organization, the leader, the team. So where they're parked is going to impact performance and their success. And you can have people who are high performers in one car or one one garage where they're parked and then they go to another garage and they're the same person, but they don't perform as well or they perform better. A lot of that is based can be based upon where they're parked. So that's roads traveled and destinations where they've been, destinations they want to go to, where they're parked, uh, what's under the hood. So this is horsepower how they think and make decisions, how strong are they in uh, 25 different personal skills, what are their thinking patterns, what are their feeling patterns. Those are under the hood. When you see a car driving by, you don't know what's under the hood. You don't know if it's a four-cylinder or a six-cylinder or an eight-cylinder. You can just guess. Well, that is not being measured in the two assessments that I'm recommending you use when you're doing a group session. Two, two that are very helpful and are open enough to share with others. Horsepower, background and experience, and where they're parked is not going to be your focus on a team retreat or a group session. But the two other parts of the five are, and that is what puts gas in your tank, so when you see a car going, you don't know down the road, you don't know if it has a half a tank or a full tank. Uh, you do know when it's sputtering out and is not going. Uh, workplace motivators measure something you can't see, which is what puts gas in your tank and makes you want to go. And so that is one of the things we do measure in the Talent Insights Assessment. It's not visible to others, but it's crucial to wanting to take action and it relates to what we're most interested in. I am most interested in this. It puts gas in my tank. And so I move towards this. This makes me want to take action. 
The last but not least thing that is measured in the car analogy, and it is something that is part of the talent insights assessment, is how someone drives. That is the DISC assessment, and it's measuring, do they drive fast or slow? What are their tendencies? How do they how do they drive? Do they have 10 people in the car because they're very people-oriented, or are they very accurate-oriented and they follow all the procedures that are important for driving? So whether you follow the procedures or not, that is a key part of, or where they have 10 people in the car, it does tell you about the behaviors and how someone likes to communicate and interact and how they like to work, but it doesn't tell you why they work. It doesn't tell you their horsepower. It doesn't tell you, do they have the experience and background? And it doesn't tell you how the culture or where they're parked is impacting their performance. So I think it's crucial to spend time there. We'll have a picture of the, all the car analogy pieces. And I just want you to make sure you're clear on that so that you do not over apply what's in the assessment and that you help people get clear on what's being measured. That's a key part when we talk about reducing resistance. And those two tools, how you communicate and what you're interested in, how you drive and what puts gas in your tank, disc and motivators are two of the three reasons people have a lot of conflict or tension or why there is conflict. So they can be very helpful in a group situation. So let's jump right in. Again, I'm going to go fast through this. Hopefully I'm not sharing too many details or too little. I'll try to find the right balance. You can always reach out to me and you can also go to the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash talent insights. So First, I want to give you some tips for starting strong. This is communication you want to do before you begin a training session. I talked about resistance and how important it is and uh, talked about the quote from Dr. Hartman about people having on the top of their forehead. Basically, essentially what he was saying is he didn't have those words back then. He had the what's in it for me? You know, what am I here for in this world? Why do I work for this organization? What can this organization do to help me fulfill my meaning in the world? How can I help this organization help me fulfill my meaning in the world? And it's it's natural. It's human. It's normal. Self-preservation. We all know that we have value to give and we all want to give it. We want to know why we're here. We want you always hear about being on purpose. That's what Hartman was talking about. So when you're thinking about doing a team building session, if you know that everybody's got it on their forehead, what's in it for me? Why are we doing this? Then that's going to be something that I'm going to really encourage you to communicate prior to this session. People will always get, there's four things that I want you to communicate prior to any session. One is logistics. Duh. Everybody gets that, right? That's the systemic part of the training. You know, what are the actual details and, uh, and, you know, time, place, the real black and white stuff. How much time do they need to allot? And then the next thing we want to talk about is how the information is going to be used. So that's the practical piece, the extrinsic. So how is this going to be used? And then more intrinsic. Now, this is getting to the feeling place and the things that people are thinking and feeling about having a training session with the team, there's usually a little anxiety for folks who are just getting an assessment and it's going to be within their organization and it's all about them. They want to know what the confidentiality is going to be. So who else is going to see this? Not only how is it going to be used, but who else is going to see it? How confidential is it? And it depends on your organization, what you do there. 
And then the fourth thing that they need to know is why this project is important. This is the most important piece. Intrinsic is feeling, and it is the way you capture people's attention and their heart, and it's the way you reduce resistance. So what's the why? Why is it important to the company? Why is it important to the team? Why is it important to you individually? You the leader and perhaps you the facilitator. If you skip this part, you have not really answered their why. And if you can't answer this part, it means you don't need to have this training session. So it will feel more vulnerable to share the why, and it'll feel more vulnerable to share the real why, but it will, uh, again, help the session be more effective. And it is the area that gets skipped most often. So I encourage you not to skip that, and it will tend to make or break your session. And, and you should share the why. To me, this should be shared on every everything you're asking someone to do, coaching, training, you know, what why is it important to the company? Why is it important to them as a team and, or an individual? And why is it important to you? And you could actually share that with everything, not just training. Okay, so that's the first big tip is starting strong. The second is to share reminders about what the assessment is measuring. And I have a sample of what I share. It'll be in the show notes. It goes with the assessments when they receive it, but it's, it tells them what's measured with the assessment, how to read their report, don't be hard on themselves, uh, look for their strengths, uh, don't throw away insight because you're not sure if it's you because it could be a blind spot. Ask somebody you know, gives them a little bit of an assignment to uh star the things they agree with, put an X by things they absolutely think are not true, and put a question mark by the things that they want to find more out about and see if it's true. And it sets the tone for this, because you want to remember everything in the assessment is not 1000% accurate because it's not measuring the whole person. If we think of the five areas of fit, it will settle people down a little bit and make them more interested and willing to, to entertain the idea that some of the things in the assessment may be about them. And if they're not, then they need to trust that and know that and put an X through pieces of that. Okay, you can't force someone to take ownership of something on a piece of paper that they're not ready to or and or that does not apply to them. So those assessment reminders will be in the show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash talent insights. Another key to reducing resistance. The third tip is to have uh, some type of debrief with them prior to the team meeting. So it could be an informal conversation that you as the leader has with each individual about questions they have about their results. What do they think? Um, maybe showing them a few things. I oftentimes, it depends on the team, but if it's an executive team and we've done the trimetrics assessment, I will have coaching calls one-on-one -on -one with each person before we're on the team because they've taken, you know, three parts, three sciences, not only how you drive and what puts gas in your tank, but they've taken um, what's under the hood. And so it becomes a one-on-one -on -one development conversation and they can get their questions answered. And then the other thing that I do is an online debrief video. So if you're working with me or if you've gotten certified with me or you're one of my key clients, you have a debrief video that you can use internally. And the debrief video is about 20 minutes and it just 
helps people once they get their results. I like the people to have their results prior to the session. They get those report reminders that tells them, you know, what's measured and the piece of paper, you know, tells them that and gives them some work to do, you know, what to, how to read and what to do with the assessment. But then the debrief video just explains, here's what's measured. And so it, it, it settles people down. And I've had a lot of people say, oh, when I first got my results, I was so nervous or I didn't like them. And then I, I read what you shared and I watched the video and I felt better. And then they're ready. You know, by that point, they are ready to either be with the team and have a discussion. So they're less defensive or resistant or they're ready to be on a call or in a meeting one on one to discuss. So that is tip three. Do some type of debrief. Number four, here are my key favorite icebreakers. One of them is how I open every meeting. I use an acronym. It's I-E-E-I. So introduction, excitement, empower, involve. And that is from, um, I did a podcast on that, Six Tools for Better Meetings. And you can get in more information around that at pricelessprofessional.com bettermeetings.com forward slash bettermeetings, one word. And it helps you open strong and it helps you bring energy to the introduction and get, get it started right away. It helps you tell them immediately, here's what you're going to get out of this and how it's, it's empowering for you. And then it gets them involved right away. And the icebreaker that I often use will be some version of this. It is uh, two questions. The well-known person I've never met before but would like to have breakfast with is, and here's why. And the person who's most influenced my life is, and here's why. And the time that you spend on this is worth the time. It settles people down. It gets people used to sharing. The first question about had breakfast with is interesting and fun. Everybody likes to share that. You say, oh, I love him or her too. Or wow, I didn't know that you loved that person. Or, you know, so you, you have fun with that and it allows people to connect because it is about a team building or group session is about people connecting and getting them involved right away with sharing sets the tone reduces resistance. There's that word again, redu words reducing resistance. I like the second question. The person who has most influenced my life is, and here's why, is 90% of the time they share someone who's influenced their life and that person is reflected in what they selected as their top motivators when you are going through what their number one and two most interests are. So the people around us when we were growing up, we either were molded on purpose or we came in this way or nature helped us or nurture helped us to either be very much like those people. They influenced us to have these values or these priorities or they influenced us in that we said, I don't want to be like that. It gets people sharing. Sometimes we never talk with people we work with every day about things that are personal to us. And this is a non-threatening personal question that gets people sharing and it starts to set the tone for the motivators part of the assessment and their answers. It's very insightful. Another question that I like to ask somewhere throughout early on, two other questions is that are facilitative and get them involved is I have them, I ask them to think about teams they've been a part of, and I'm going to ask you to do this right now. So here I'm going to lay my question out for you. Okay. So as though we're together in a team, think about all of the teams you've been a part of. That could be any group, any group where you came together with others to achieve a goal. 
It might have been a sports team. It might have been work teams. It could be nonprofit boards. It could have been in high school, college, professional, personal. Think about all those teams you've been a part of. Now, I want you to think about out of all of those teams, what's the most effective team that you've been a part of? This team or these teams were teams where you enjoyed being a part of it, of the group. You got things done. You were effective. And it, you would say it was a great team. Okay, so do you have any, any teams in mind? Okay, so now what I want you to do is analyze that team or those teams and pick out the top three behaviors or attributes that were prevalent on that team that helped that team be so great. And then as the team, let them think and then say, who would like to go first? And what I'd like you to do is pick your number one out of the three, pick your number one. And you start listing them, list exactly what they share to you on the flip chart. And if they give a long answer, just say, okay, headline that. If you had to make it in a few words, what would you say? Write down their answers. And then as you list all the number one, say, is there anything on this chart that should be up here that isn't? Now you have a great list from them of what makes a great team. So now we're on the conversation of melding who they are personally to what makes a great team. And you can keep referring back to their answers throughout when you're asking questions about the team and as you close. The next question when we start getting into going into the assessment is I ask them to share tweetable comments about what they thought of their assessment. So when they read it and they've settled in with it now, what are some of the things that they said to friends, colleagues, family members about their results? What did they think? How did they feel? And I just want a sentence or two from a few people in the room who's willing to share. Gives you a nice pulse. And I also say, don't worry about it. You don't have to tell me something positive. It's okay if you didn't feel great about it. I want to know that too. And so people will tell all kinds of things. But meanwhile, I'm just enjoying that they're talking again, getting them to share that their comments are welcome, getting them to be a part of the session. And it's not about the facilitator. It's about them and how they felt. What are they thinking? Okay, so that is practical tips number four around icebreakers. Now, how do you debrief the motivators? That's tip number five. If we go back to the conflict and the three reasons, one of the reasons is we prioritize differently. We have different interests. Motivators helps get to that. Each team member, if you're working with us, we can get you a tent card or a name badge that has their motivators graph on it and it has their disc graph on it. And so you can reference their tent card and say, you notice you had tent cards when you came today and there's two sciences being measured. Uh, here's what's, uh, you know, five areas of performance. You could use the car analogy. Two of those areas are what we're covering today. And one of them is the motivators. And it's that graph right there on your tent card. That's a good way of opening it up. It's not measuring your back, you know, roads traveled. It's not measuring future goals, horsepower, or the impact of the culture here at XYZ Company. But it is giving some insight according to the assessment of what puts gas in your tank. That's how I open it. People are usually nodding. And I always use the, when I'm referencing the assessment according to the assessment. Again, we're back to this, I want to reduce resistance. Freeze people up to decide, is this really true for me? Is she trying to impose something on me? Or, you know, it's the assessment is saying this. It is how I answered it, but do I want to own it? And so then you can go into, there are six motivators that are measured. What your one and two are what you're most interested in. Your number six is what you're least interested in. 
and I'll remind them, hey, this is not visible. That's why it's called it's called gas and tank. It's not easily visible to others. They're all valuable. They all add value. And it's about interest, not ability. And so I'll have them look at either their tent card or go into their assessment. We have memory jogger cards that we use. People who work with us have these memory jogger cards that list the assessment uh, or list the six motivators. So I have them go look at what is your number one? What is your number two? Go look at the descriptors. What insights do you see? For yourself, according to the assessment, what it says is your one and two. What's like an aha or makes sense? Is anybody willing to share? So I ask them to share because they're they're now looking at their results, looking at the memory jogger card. We've had all this lead in. Sometimes people will say, well, that makes a lot of sense. And are you, are you willing to say more? So you want people feeling comfortable about what it says about them. I also might have them look at the number six. And the number six is according to the assessment, what you're least interested in. So go over and look at the memory jogger card, look at the descriptors, and then know that this is what you're least interested in according to the assessment. And again, it's not about ability. So let people kind of take it in. It's not visible to others. See if you agree or disagree. Now, and this is now going to the motivator's wheel, which is tip number six. So that's a, a quick way, non-threatening, uh, builds alignment and interest and reduces resistance to get into the motivators, explain it. And then we say, now we want to show the team on the wheel because one of the key problems for challenge on teams is not understanding different interests. So that's where we can have some conflicts. So we want to understand the team on the wheel. And so we have this image that has the six motivators on the wheel and we put them up on the screen and in the sample PowerPoint that I give people that work with us, you know, they can plot or we can help you plot on the wheel, the team, and then everybody can look at it, you plot it up there and it describes the six motivators around the wheel. And here are some of the questions that I recommend you ask. Does this work for our team? And the work we do, and you could actually go to each one of the motivators where you have a, either a lot of people and they're one and two as an interest or no people as their interest. You kind of go around the wheel. Does this work for our team? What strengths does it show that we bring? What could be potential blind spots? How are we currently covering some of the potential blind spots? And what else do we need to be doing more of or less of? Those are the four or five questions that you can ask around each one. So say you had nobody in the theoretical section, which is a love of knowledge. You know, does this work for us? And the team might say, yeah, it mostly works because, you know, we do a process that doesn't change. And so, you know, when it doesn't work, it's this. So you get people talking about, you know, we don't have somebody as interested in that. And so it's, you know, how can we cover that? Do we cover that? You may have the whole team in the high theoretical knowledge. You know, that's their greatest interest. Does this work for our team? Oh, yes, because of this. Oh, no. Let them tell you what they see. So it begins to be a discussion about, hey, here's everybody's interest and they all add value. And here's how we scored on the assessment. There's no right or wrong. Let's just see how we're doing with it. And then you do that for each area, and then you can do also do it for the least interest. So, you know, we go to the section of the wheel that shows these are our six, number six, we're least interested in these. How does that impact us? You can also do a breakout where you say, if this, if theoretical is your number six, and you have colleagues that they have it as their number one, so six is I'm least interested, one is I'm most interested, you could do a breakout right then of those folks and have them share 
what their results say and uh, help them start to understand how they help each other and come back and report, okay, what are your differences? I'm least interested in it. You're most interested in it. Have we seen conflict in the past? Uh, Where could there be conflict? You can have the same kind of conversation. So there gives you an idea, some thoughts around the workplace motivators wheel. It is about most interested, least interested, not making anybody wrong and starting to turn the light bulbs on in regard to. So like, for example, number six for me is traditional regulatory. So I do not like uh, set rules and procedures. And in fact, I have an extreme low interest in that. So can I do procedures and rules? Yes. Am I energized by it? Does it put gas in my tank? No. And so on a team, what I could do if I didn't understand it, somebody who's really good at that, I might have tension with them because I don't like it. Uh, But if I have this language, I can say, wait a minute, I don't like it, but they do. And let's work together. So that is how that works. And it's an ongoing dialogue. But if positioned correctly, people will start to value these different interests. And the interests really speak to people, their nature, nurture. As I said, when we answer the question, who's most influenced us? Usually it's someone uh, we grew up with. We nature, nurture. It's a way we were molded and the way we've molded ourselves. So our motivators tie to our greatest interests and they can be fighting words if somebody challenges our interest or tries to make us wrong. But they can be blending and engaging tools when someone speaks to them and values us for that interest. So it's the reason that we call it what puts gas in your tank. I always start with motivators first nowadays because it is unseen, it's not visible, it's not often talked about, It is a power, power tool. It really does put gas in the tank of every individual on the team and can put gas in the tank for the team. So there are some tips there. That's uh, out of the 10 plus one tips. That's tip number six. Now let's go into the disc. You do a quick debrief on how you drive. Again, we have a memory jogger card. I might have them look at that. I might have them look at their disc graph. Um, or their disc wheel in their assessment and point out what each of the areas on the disc wheel measure. And so I won't go into that here. Many people are familiar with the disc wheel. If you have questions about it, I can show you in the memory jogger card that we provide and the uh, slides that we provide for the debrief reveal that, you know, what each area on the disc wheel, again, it's just a wheel that combines the whole team and you can see an individual. So you would quickly describe the different styles and then you would go into and make sure they know theirs individually. Where are they on the wheel before you pop up the, the team's style? And then you put the disc wheel up there that populates with all of the team. You explain that and you ask similar questions. What insights do you see? Is there anything that seems like an aha? And they could do that about themselves first and then do that about the team. I also tell people when on the disc wheel, the further out your style is measured on the wheel, the stronger the tendency is. In other words, this is how you drive. It's what people see. So the stronger tendency isn't meaning like it's better. It just says it's more visible. 
So if somebody's a high visible in the dominant style and the influencer style, they'll read the descriptors and people will understand. It's like, oh yeah, that's that person's definitely a D and an I, or that person's definitely an S and a C because they're outside the wheel. It's a very visible tendency. If you're closer into the wheel, that means you have several things above the energy line. So reading your style, you have a mix of styles. So explain that on the wheel. I might say, I want you to look at who's across from you on the wheel. So say you are a S and C style. You have someone across from you who's a D and I. That's a person that you can have the most miscommunication with. Remember, that's one of the areas of conflict, right? But it's also the person you can have the most synergy with because your strengths complement each other. You can help each other. You can either battle with each other and make each other wrong, or you can use this language to understand your individual strengths and value and appreciate those strengths and cover each other's blind spots. So that's how you can explain the disc wheel. And then you can ask about the team. How does our style on the team work? And depending on how the the wheel looks, you might have everybody in one quadrant or you might have everybody all around the wheel. Let them look at it. Once you get to this point, they're going to tell you what they see. How does this, how does this work for our team? What's working? What's good? What are our strengths? And and it's just the individual styles. They'll be able to tell you what, what are the potential blind spots? What are we missing? How are we currently covering those blind spots? What else could we do? What do we need to be doing more of or less of? And so it gets the team talking about the team. It gets the team appreciating where they are, not trying to change them, but understanding how it all impacts the team. So that is tip number eight in regard to explaining the disc wheel. Next, here's some of my favorite exercises for sharing. This is a tip number nine. Favorite exercises for sharing you could do in the DISC part of the assessment. It's a great tool to share communication do's and don'ts so people can pick. It's approximately, I think it's pages six and seven in the assessment, talent insights assessment, where people pick a couple of their do's and don'ts on their own assessment and share it with the team. So you could do a round robin there. There are combined pages in the assessment. So the assessment will show you discommunication style results. And there's coaching language there. There is motivators, workplace motivators results, what puts gas in your tank. And then there's a third part that combines the two. And that is very powerful because it tells you more about each individual. It tells you about strengths. It tells you about where they may feel internally conflicted and have some development where they may overdo something or what we could call blind spots. It gives you tips on managing them, motivating them, and what their ideal environment is. And it's strongly customized to each individual based on where they landed in each of the other two sciences. So you always want to use the combined pages. You could have people with a highlighter pick their top three on each page and then share. You could do breakout groups. If you're doing onboarding, you have some have a person share their top three with their new manager. If you're doing a conflict resolution, you share with each other. Lots of good work there on using those combined pages, that third section of the Talent Insights Assessment. Another thing is the team effectiveness strength bombardment exercise. It is from the five dysfunctions of a team facilitator's guide. I use it when they have assessments results and it could be a follow-up session. But basically what happens is each team member gets feedback from all the other team members about their greatest strengths for the team. And then one thing that they can improve upon for the good of the team. 
the power of it is each person goes through it. You always have the leader go first. It gets people used to having more honest, heartfelt conversations, gets people used to talking about behaviors and getting feedback and giving feedback. And every team, the most uh, troubled team to the most effective team gets benefit out of this exercise. You have the person who's doing each round, the person receiving the feedback takes notes. Sometimes it can take about six or seven minutes per person to do the round. I have a link to the actual steps. It's very important that you set this up right. Um, I've done it a lot of different times. I think I perf- almost perfected how to do it, but I've got those notes in the show notes and you can go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash talent insights and look for the team effectiveness strength bombardment exercise. I'll show you how to do that. That's a great exercise and it's really, really, really powerful. Don't shy away from it because it feels scary or your team's nervous. If you facilitate it right, which I'll sh- I show you how to do that, it will come off well and it's great awareness. It's great self-awareness. It's great trust building. It's awesome tool. Last tip plus one more after this is closing strong. For closing, you can review what was discussed and capture key points. What were the strengths and blind spots they shared as you review the wheels? And then you could ask them how they want to follow up in regard to, okay, we've reviewed some blind spots. Do we want to brainstorm in our next team meeting, talk about some strategies for improvement? You can have people share. Maybe that's part of the closing exercise. They share from some of the summary pages, that third part of the assessment. You could have them write down what they found most useful and what action they will take and have them share. If they write it down, you could put it in an envelope and mail it to them in 60 days. Most useful, asking it that way really does help people really kneel down. Okay, what did, what am I taking away from this? And then the action has them verbally saying they're going to do something, which can help us take action. There's a missing links exercise that is fun to do. It's fun because it's affirming and even the most reserved groups that I've done this with like it. It has everybody leaving the session, remembering what they all have in common. And it ties to intrinsic, which is this idea of how do I feel about all the people in this room? Do do I belong here? Am I part of this group? And the way it starts, it's very simple. Uh, one person stands up, though, whoever volunteers, you have a volunteer, they stand up and they share three things that the team probably might not know about them. It can be anything. And oftentimes people share, share stuff that they did in their past or they're growing up or something at home. And everybody listens. And when somebody has something in common in those three things, they're the next person to share. And then that person shares their three things and the rest of the people that are sitting that aren't standing yet look for something that they have in common. So before you know it, you got everybody standing up in the room and you got a circle and there's everybody's linked. And you just, you know, the quick reminder is we, we all bring different strengths to the team. And we've discussed that today with our assessment results and as a way to gel and understand each other more. And we also want to remember all the things that we have in common. That's a great way to close. Another thing that I do is Starlight, Starbright. There's that nursery rhyme, Starlight, Starbright. First star I see tonight. I wish I may. I wish I might have this wish. I wish tonight. And I give them a piece of paper with a star on it. And you might have them on that list, their top takeaway and top action on one side. And then the other side of the piece of paper lists what they wish for the team. 
So my wish for the team after today is, and then people will really write some meaningful things and it's a way to say, here's what I want for the team. And you get in a circle and everybody shares and they put their star down in the middle. I usually collect them and then I'll do a little wordle, you know, that's a little visual image of what they shared about their, what they found useful in their actions and their wish for the team as a way to follow up. So those are a couple of follow-up exercises that work. 10 plus one. So I promised that it would be 10 tips plus an f- extra one. And here's the extra one is follow-up strategies. These are important because people retain about 20% of what they learn. Weeks later, if you go back to them, they're going to remember less than 20% of what was discussed if there's no follow-up. I think the tent cards with their name and their style and their motivators or their name badges at their desk will be a follow-up card that you could take with you. We have a talent tracker, which is a one-page, two-sided that summarizes the team's motivators most and least and their behaviors. People can carry those with them, and it gives them tips, um, reminders on how to adapt and enjoy each other more. That can be great. You can get new people to take the assessment, so when they come in, they join the team, add them to the talent tracker have somebody on the team share the wheel, have somebody else facilitate the team and the wheel so you have more people involved in it. So that person has a better understanding of the team. You can have the person go through onboarding with you with their assessment. Revisit just informal conversations. How's it going? How are you? Have you been able to use anything with the assessment and the session that we have? Another thing is if you're the leader, use that talent tracker, which is the summary report. Think about, start using, don't use these concepts as just concepts, but really start to think about Susie's most motivated by knowledge and Jane is most, most motivated by process and start giving assignments that way. Start talking about things in the way that speak to them and that fill their tank. We have more flexibility than we use and start, just start acknowledging their strengths, either in your actions or in your words, use it. Be the example. Keep in mind the three reasons for conflict. I've mentioned them. I'll do them one more time here before we close. Misunderstandings in communication. We have different interests and priorities, and we have a past history that has not been resolved. So how you drive disk assessment and the what puts gas in your tank, the motivated assessment can help you with two of those. And I think if you create more understanding and some more dialogue and maybe even use these tools for conflict resolution, which I do on a regular basis, you can resolve some of that unresolved past history. So I've got articles in the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash talent insights on everything we've talked about today. You'll see some of the images. If you would like to have a conversation with me, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E to learn more. If you're interested in certification, it's self-paced and it's virtual. You complete an exam online. We support you, but you can go at your own pace and you can do it virtually on your own time. You can see more details at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash get certified. So I love sharing these 10 plus one tools with you today. A lot of detail, a lot of doing in my conversation. At the end of the day, people want to know what they're here for. And Hartman said it so well. What am I here for in this world? Why do I work for this organization? What can this organization do to help me fulfill my meaning in the world? How can I help this organization help me fulfill my meaning in the world? 
We all have what's in it for me. And it's human and there's nothing wrong with it. It is actually who we are. And if we can have those questions answered, it's so much easier to give more to the organization. If we have people who are talking to us through the language of where our strengths reside, our strengths were born in us and are a part of us and are a big part of why we came into this world and a big part of our desire to use them and to not have strength projection. You know, people project upon us what we should be like, or the opposite is to be, have talent envy. Oh, I wish I was like them. No, you are like you and how you are is valuable and you have great strengths to add to the world. Let's own them. Let's claim them. Uh, We're going to have higher commitment, higher engagement, and I'm hoping that this tool and these tips uh, and resources for facilitating the Talent Insights Assessment will help you. Look forward to our next conversation. We'll be having some more uh, episodes following this one on using the assessment tools accurately and effectively to make a difference in the world. Many blessings. Thanks for tuning in. Send me your feedback and reach out. PricelessProfessional.com forward slash Susie. All the best. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to PricelessProfessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 